Very good. Turn, if you would, tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. First Corinthians 14. Let's pray. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight, and Lord, I thank you for uh, your goodness to us this week, the ability to be in your house tonight, the strength and the health that you've given us. Lord, I pray that you would bless now this time as we look into your word. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to take these moments serious. God, that you'd help us in the application of this in our daily lives God, that we would take this serious. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think most of you know it's been a couple of weeks now since we've been in our study of 1 Corinthians, and I know that I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again, that I know that two weeks is plenty of time for every one of us to forget what was last looked at in this study. Would that be a fair assumption to make? I think so. And so I'm going to remind us very quickly of what the Apostle Paul shared with the believers there in Corinth so that we can kind of get caught up on this. I'm going to review some more later because of how it all ties in together. But it was two weeks ago that we watched as the Apostle Paul shared that there was coming a time that he was going to know everything clearly, that he would have full understanding, that he would have full knowledge. He said in verse number 12, but then shall I know, and then he went on to make this statement, even as I, even as also I am known. And so what Paul said was this, is that there was coming a day when he would have perfect knowledge, that he would have perfect understanding, but as it related to him and his relationship with God, God already had perfect knowledge and perfect understanding of who he was. And the Apostle Paul was trying to convey that truth to the believers there in Corinth, trying to illustrate this truth, trying to make this truth very clear to them that when it comes to your relationship with God, you have no secrets before God. There is nothing about your life that God does not already know. And in relation to the subject matter, talking about their love for one another, what Paul was saying is this, is God knows how much you truly love the men and the women that you would call the brethren there in your church. And so as we talked about that two weeks ago, I tried to remind us of the exact same truth, the exact same reality, that for you and I, we have no secrets before God. God knows everything about us. God knows to the extent that we are loving people. God knows to the extent to which we are being the people that we're supposed to be by way of our relationships with them. There are no secrets as it relates to us with God. He knows what is in the hidden depths of our heart. So we may fool some people, and we may look the part, and we may act the part, and we may convince some, but God knows whether or not it's real and whether or not it's genuine, and he also knows if it's fake. And it's something to keep in mind. Because if we're not careful, we'll think we've got God fooled, and we don't. We simply do not, and we never will. Now, tonight I'm going to begin with just a very quick story. I say that often, but really, this one is short. It's not an exciting story. It's just a story that is intended to get us thinking about something that we're going to come back to here in a little bit. 
But I was told a story several years ago about a man who was born in the 50s. He was born in a very simple, middle-class, normal, average home. Nothing extraordinary about that home, just a, a normal home for their day in the 50s. At some point in the early 70s, as he was entering into college, he made this decision for himself and he made this declaration that by the time he turned 30 years old, he was going to be a millionaire. So he would have turned 30 somewhere in the mid-80s. And I think most of us know that if you were a millionaire in the 80s, that was quite a bit different position than if you were a millionaire today. Don't get me wrong, I'd still be satisfied to be a millionaire today, but to be a millionaire in the 80s, that would have been an exceptional accomplishment especially if you did it by the age of 30. And so again, that was the intended goal. That was the, the mark that this man was shooting for. And so as this story was being relayed to me, I asked the person, so did they do it? And the response was, oh yeah, they did it. So by the time they reached 30, back in the 80s, they were a millionaire, and they've just maintained that lifestyle of accruing and gathering and, and, and adding to the wealth. And so now, presumably, they would be worth several millions. Now, the point in all this that I want us to think about is just this, that the hard work and the dedication, though misguided for the things of this world, the hard work and the dedication and the sacrifice to reach such a goal is commendable. The fact that someone said, this is a goal, this is my plan, this is what I aim for, and this is what I hope to achieve, the fact that they not only said it, but then accomplished it, that is commendable because here's what you know as well as I would, that at some point there had to have been obstacles in the way but they didn't let the obstacles keep them from achieving their goal. And there were things that would have popped up in their life that could have served as an excuse for why they couldn't become the millionaire that they had desired to be, but they didn't let the excuses keep them from becoming what they wanted to be. And so here is this person. I know it's from a secular standpoint. I know it's from a standpoint that you and I would, would not really promote for a lot of different reasons. But again, the principle is this. Here is a person who said, this is what I want to accomplish. This is what I want to do. I'll not let the obstacles keep me from it. I'll not let the excuses keep me from it. I am going to determine to do this, and they did it. Now, with that in mind, I want to remind us of some previous messages, things that, again, are very important to tonight's message. You may remember in the opening verses of chapter 13 the Apostle Paul began to convey to the believers of Corinth that you can do many, many things, and if you do not have love, then what you are engaged in and what we would be engaged in is a complete waste of time and energy. You remember this? Verse number one, he said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, 
I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Paul laid it right out there for everyone to see. It doesn't matter how eloquent I may be. It doesn't matter how good I may be by way of my oratory skills. None of that matters if I do not have true love. If I am an excellent speaker, but I don't love as I'm supposed to, then all people hear is this clanging brass and this tinkling cymbal. They, they just hear a bunch of noise, and it means nothing. He went on to say, Should I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge? And though I have faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, what did he say? He said, I am nothing. So suppose I have this gift of prophecy, I have incredible knowledge, incredible understanding, and I have wonderful, wonderful faith so that I could remove a mountain. If I don't exercise love, my existence is pointless. And then he said in verse number 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. What did that mean? It just meant this. Suppose I sold everything I've got, I gave it to the poor, and I became a martyr for the faith. If I did all that without true love, then it was a waste of my time and it was a waste of my effort. Again, the Apostle Paul is quite clear, is he not? Come on now. Was the Apostle Paul clear or was he somewhat vague as to the importance of love? Paul was fairly clear, wasn't he? Well, how clear was he? He was so clear that in verse number 13, he said this, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is what? Charity. Okay, so the greatest of anything that Paul could have exercised, anything that he could have put there in the list, anything that the Holy Spirit could have led him to write, he talks about faith and hope and charity, and it would not have mattered what else Paul could have put in that verse At the end of the statement, here is what he would have said, no matter what the other items were. The greatest of these, the most important of these, the most significant of these is our charity. So how important is charity? Well, it's pretty important. It's like the most important thing about our lives. Now, I know we know this, but I'm going to say it again because I think some of us are a little sleepy right now. But I want us to think about what the Apostle Paul said and how it just reiterates what Christ taught when he was on this earth. Because when Christ was asked, what is the greatest commandment, what did Christ say? He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, to love thy neighbor as thyself. Correct? So here is Christ being asked by the lawyer, what is the most important thing, Christ, that we should give our attention to? And Christ said, it's a love for God and it's a love for people. And on these two commands hangs all the rest of the law. Christ said, if you get these two things squared away, then everything else will take care of itself. So follow this, please. You've got a love for God and you've got a love for people. That's what Christ is talking about, right? Okay. If you don't love God, you'll not love people like you should. It's impossible. And when we don't love people like we should, here's what it reflects, whether we like to admit it or not, that if we don't love people like we should, that means our relationship with God is not what it's supposed to be. Because they are intertwined with one another, so you cannot say, I love God, I just don't love people very much. Friends, that makes no sense, because in order for us to love God, we must love people. 
So here's the Apostle Paul, and he's not so much specifically focusing on the church's relationship by way of their love with God, but no doubt it's connected because he is writing about their relationships in the avenue of love with one another in the church. This is all good stuff, isn't it? It's it's good stuff, I promise you. And, And so in the dealing with this topic, what did Paul do? He gave them a pretty extensive list of what true love looks like. He did not give his opinion as to what true love looks like. He gave the Lord's opinion as to what true love looks like, correct? He, he did not put in there what the world would say, this is what love looks like. No, he said, this is what true love looks like according to the leading and the inspiration and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, this is what charity will and will not do. So what were some of the things that the Apostle Paul mentioned? Well, first of all, he said in verse number 4, somebody said, man, you are reviewing. You're right, I am reviewing, okay? In verse number 4, Paul said this, charity suffereth long. Well, what does that mean? It means this, patient not easily annoyed by the actions of others. Now, I don't know about you, but right now I'm already going, oh man, not again. Because I remember preaching this about two months ago and feeling convicted that I was easily annoyed by people and what they do. And so here I am two months later, and you know what I am? I'm convicted. And you know what I bet some of you would be? If you'd be honest, you'd be convicted. Because if you'd look back at your life over the last eight weeks, whatever it's been exactly, I'm not sure. But if you would just look back over the course of maybe the last couple of days, maybe just the last week, whatever it may be, if you were honest, you might say something like this, man, I have found myself getting annoyed pretty easily. I'm telling you, that person in my family, they just know how to push my buttons. That person at work, they just know how to irritate me. They just know how to grate on me. Have you ever been there? All right, I'm not going to get much response tonight. That's okay. I'm just going to keep plowing, all right? Uh, it, It happens. He said, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. You know, charity's never jealous. Charity vaunteth not itself. It doesn't boast. It doesn't brag. And charity doesn't, you know, think they're better than other people. Charity's not puffed up. Charity will not behave itself unseemly or in a way that is inappropriate or inconsiderate. Uh, Seeketh not her own. Love is not selfish. Aren't you glad none of this is too convicting? You know, because none of us are ever selfish, right? I mean, none of us are the kind, you know, where we're inappropriate with our actions. and, and, And what about this easily provoked? I mean, different than being annoyed. That's just getting mad easily and, and many times over dumb stuff. I mean, could you be honest maybe in the last week and say, you know, in in the last week I've gotten mad over some stuff pretty quickly that truth be told it wasn't really that important. It happens. Is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, does not assume the worst of people, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. I mean, I, again, I don't know about you, but as I read through these verses, you know what I am once more? I am convicted. I'm convicted. For what reasons? 
Because again, I know how easily I get irritated sometimes. I know how upset I am whenever I feel as though I've been wronged. I know how easy it is for me to hold a grudge and remember past offenses. I know for myself that I'm pretty good sometimes at assuming the worst of people and not assuming the best of them. And, and here's what I know. I'm just going to go ahead and park here for just a minute, okay? Not for a long time, but just for a minute. Here is what I know. There is no honest person who could read through these verses and say, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, please show me if I am lacking in any of these areas and come out unscathed. None of us have perfect love. So for us to sit here, if we might be inclined to do so, say, oh, yeah, no, I don't ever do that. Nope, I don't ever, no, huh, no. Yeah, you might be convicted, Pastor, but I'm not. That's just because you're not being honest with yourself. Not one of us have perfect love, and if we would sit here and assume like this list doesn't hit us from at least a few different angles, we're just not being honest. So if you think about what true love looks like, biblical love, what it looks like, and then you consider what the Apostle Paul said, that if we don't have love, then we're like sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. We are nothing and it profiteth nothing. If we take into consideration that the Apostle Paul said that above all these things, the greatest is charity, then it seems like tonight's passage would just be common sense for every one of us. But it's not. How many of us tonight would admit that sometimes what should be the simplest, easiest, most obvious thing for us to grasp is the very thing that goes right over our head sometimes? I, I mean, it was so wide out in the open that we just totally missed it. And so what is it that should be so obvious? What is it that should just be common sense for every one of us? Well, notice in verse number 1 what Paul said. He said, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. Now in chapter 14, here's what's going to happen. The Apostle Paul is going to begin dealing with and addressing the subject of tongues and the subject of preaching and, and what it was supposed to look like in their day. And I'll just go ahead and say this real quick. What it's supposed to look like and what the charismatic movement looks like today, there is no similarity whatsoever. Okay? So that's where Paul is going to transition his thoughts but before he does, he simply makes this statement in verse number 1, follow after charity. Follow after charity. So we know what charity is. It's agape love. So whenever Paul says to follow after charity, what does it mean? It means this, to pursue it, to seek after eagerly 
or to earnestly endeavor to acquire. Now, now, did, did we get that? See, this might be something we might want to write down. If we ever take notes at all, this might be a good thing to write down. What does it mean to follow after charity? It means to pursue it, to seek it eagerly, or to earnestly endeavor to acquire it. Think about the young man who in his teenage years decided he was going to be a millionaire by the time he was 30. You know what he did? He pursued it. He pursued it and he sought after it eagerly. He earnestly desired to acquire it. Here is what the young man did. He put it in his mind. This is what I am going to do. This is what I am going to accomplish. And that is exactly what he did. No excuses, no limitations, no, no obstacles were going to keep him from achieving it. He pursued it and he went after it eagerly. He went after it earnestly. That is what he gave himself to. So let me ask you something. Maybe this is just a problem I deal with, but I don't believe it's just my issue alone. Let me ask you something. As we went through the passage several weeks ago, a couple of months ago, and we heard things like, be patient. Were any of us convicted like, man, I need to be more patient? Were, were, were you mindful of that at all? Okay. If you heard something like this, have a desire to be useful, to be a servant. Were any of us thinking to ourselves, maybe just a little bit, man, I ought to be more of a servant spirit. I, I need to have more of a servant attitude. I, I need to be willing to do more for others and not expect them to do things for me. D did you ever have that thought pass through your head? Okay, as we were preaching or going through the study and I was preaching about, hey, don't be jealous. I mean, was there ever this thought that passed through your mind like, man, I remember when I was jealous of somebody. They had their successes and they had their good stories, whatever it was, and I couldn't rejoice with them. I was jealous of them. And if I'm honest, I still struggle with that sometimes. Or, or maybe whenever I was preaching about don't boast and don't be proud and, and don't think you're better than others. I mean, is it possible that someone in here thought to themselves maybe for just a minute, boy, that sounds like me. Sometimes I get it in my head that I'm better than someone else. I'm just a little bit harder worker than they are. I'm just a little bit more godly than they are. I'm just a little bit more spiritual. I mean, did any of that strike home with us? I think it did. And so what did we decide we were going to do that Wednesday night if we were truly convicted? We decided we're going to work on this. I'm going to be less selfish. I'm going to be more mindful. I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'm going to have more of a servant spirit. I'm going to rejoice in the truth. I'll not rejoice in iniquity. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to believe the best of people. I'm not going to gossip about people. It's what I did. So here we are eight weeks later, and I'm reading through the list this week going, oh, man, ouch, oh, oh, boy, I'm still doing that one. Man, oh, I'm not doing that one anymore. I've already quit that one, and, and man, I've already gave up on that one. And it brought to mind this question, why? Why am I still impatient? Why do I still get angry sometimes over the minorest offenses? Why is that happening? And here's what I'd like to say. It's this old sinful, wicked flesh I've got. And it fights against me and it wars against me every day. 
Well, is that true? It certainly is true. But truth be told, more times than not, my flesh is not my biggest issue. It's my lack of pursuit that more times than not is my greatest issue in not being the lover that I'm supposed to be. See, if I'm going to do what the Apostle Paul said to do for the believers of Corinth, here's what I'll do. I'll follow after charity. Which means I'm going to pursue it, which means I'm going to seek after it eagerly, which means this, that I will earnestly endeavor to acquire it. I am going to do whatever it takes to come into possession of the kind of love I need to have in my life for this reason, because it's the most important thing about my spiritual life. And if I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to pursue love because I realize that if I don't have love, then it doesn't matter how good of a sermon I preach tonight. It was a waste of time if I don't love the way I'm supposed to love. But see, my biggest problem is not this old wicked, sinful self and flesh and, and ungodliness within my body. No, the biggest problem is this, is that I don't pursue love the way that I'm supposed to. So here's what happens. I'm convicted on Wednesday, but by Friday, the world and life is already crowding it out because I'm letting the obstacles keep me from being the person I'm supposed to be. And then I let the excuses Keep me from being the person I'm supposed to be. You ever been there? So Paul said, follow after charity. Pursue this and go after it eagerly and earnestly. Endeavor to acquire it. So if that's what I need to do, then what do I need to do to do it? Here are some simple thoughts for your consideration, for my consideration. If I'm supposed to follow after charity, if you're supposed to follow after charity, here would be a good starting point for every one of us. Go back and reread verses 4 through 8, 4 through 7. Not right now. But go back and read verses 4 through 7 and remind yourself what biblical love looks like. Because here's what every one of us does. This is what every one of us does. We tell ourselves, I'm okay. And it's just this person that provokes this within me. It's just this situation that, that provokes certain things in me. And if we're not careful, here's what will happen. And I'm going to touch on this in just a minute. But here's what will happen. We'll not even recognize anymore when we're failing in the area of love. But we'll tell ourselves we're still good. Yeah. So what do I need to do if I'm going to follow after charity? What would be a good starting point for me? A good starting point would be, okay, I'm going to read through these verses and, and I'm going to remind myself, okay, this is what real love looks like and I'm going to separate myself from my opinion, and I'm going to separate, I need to say that different, I'm going to separate my opinion from what the Bible says, and I'm going to separate the world's opinion from what the Bible says, and I'm going to look at love from an honest, genuine standpoint. 
This is what I am to be striving for. So that's the first thing. Read it and be reminded of what the Scripture says. The second thing would be this. Identify your problem areas with the help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, please help me to know where I don't love. Whoa, I guess I'm doing pretty good. I don't have any issues. No, you didn't give the Holy Spirit time to speak. Lord, as I look into your word right now, I, I see what I'm supposed to be following after. God, would you please show me where I'm failing in this pursuit of charity? Well, Kyle, you know this. You're impatient. Well, Kyle, you know this. You're pretty good at keeping a record of past offenses. Well, Kyle, you know this. You certainly know what it's like to have been jealous and to still struggle with jealousy sometimes. And see, here's what I know. If you do the same exercise that, that I've tried to do with this text, here's what the Holy Spirit will do. The Holy Spirit will say, you talk too much sometimes. You don't know when to shut up. You just vaunt and vaunt and vaunt and vaunt and vaunt. You just tell everybody how good you are, how great you are, how wonderful you are, all the things you've done, all the things you've experienced. You need to learn to shut up. Some in here may get told by the Holy Spirit, you just kind of think you're a notch or two above everyone else. No, I'm just saying. Some in here might be told something completely different. Some in here might be told something that someone else isn't told by the Holy Spirit. But see, if we're really wanting to pursue and follow after charity, the most important thing, then it would be really wise of us to say, okay, what is the list that matters? And go to the Scripture and then say, Lord, I want you to show me what I need to be working on most right now. And then what do you do? You make it a matter of prayer. Amen. See, I don't know what the Lord would show you in your life. I, I know what he shows me and reminds me and prompts me of in my life. But see, here's my problem. I know that these are my struggles, but I don't pursue it the way that I'm supposed to. So then I don't find myself praying for it like I ought to. been there that was a question mark at the end of that one okay ever been there we pray about it specifically god you know this person irritates me i mean all i have to do is just see them they don't even have to speak to me all i have to do is just see them and i get irritated god i need your help with them Somebody says, well, I don't like being that specific. Hold on, you're already known. 
I feel so ugly and dirty whenever I'm just honest before God like this. We might as well be honest before God because he already knows that certain people irritate us just by showing up in our presence. We can get half mad just talking about them, which we shouldn't be doing, but we're talking about them to someone else, and that just stirs within us. You know what we need to do? We just need to be honest about it. And say, Lord, I'm about to start another day. This person's going to irritate me, and this person just always knows how to just get my blood pressure going, and God, I'm asking you today to help me. God, you know right now I'm struggling with my attitude. God, right now you know that, that, that I have a critical spirit and it's causing me to gossip. And, and, and God, you know that I've been way too loose with my speech with certain people, just being critical of other people. And God, you know my inner heart. You know that lately I've thought I'm better than other people and, and I've been critical of other people in my heart. Listen, we might as well just be honest with God because He already knows our failures. Is it ugly? Yes. Is it repulsive? Yes. Is it embarrassing? Yes. But we do ourselves no favors acting like they're not there. So we go back to the list and we read it and we say, Lord, speak to me. Show me what I'm failing in. And then we begin our day in prayer and we say, God, please help me to, to deal with this. And God, please help me to address this. And we're going to pursue love so that when we see that person, we don't let them irritate us like we've let them irritate us the last however many days or weeks or months it's been. And then we pray and we ask the Lord to give us a sensitive spirit to our failures before they become failures. You know what that's like, right? The little prompting of the Holy Spirit that says, whoa, 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 you're about to gossip. Shut up. Oh, wow, Lord, thank you for bringing that to mind. Oh, hold on, you were about to remind them of everything they've done wrong in the past. Hey, stop, stop. Oh, thank you, Lord, thank you. Whoa, I about blew it. Thank you. Man, I, I, I was this close to being selfish, and I was about to make a big issue, and it had to be done my way. Okay, Lord, thank you for helping me to be sensitive and recognizing that before I failed. See the progression here? Hey, if we're going to pursue this, if we're going to earnestly seek after this and, and we're going to, to put forth the effort to acquire it, we, we've got to know what's expected of us. Then we've got to make it a matter of prayer and we've got to say, Lord, please help me to be sensitive to my actions throughout the day. And then this is very important, all right? If you don't get this, then the rest of the sermon doesn't really matter. When you identify and when I identify our problem areas, the things that we struggle with the most, the sin that doth so easily beset us sometimes, once we've identified that and we've began praying about it, and then the Holy Spirit prompts us and says, wait, 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 you're about to say something you shouldn't say. You're about to brag. You're about to boast. You're about to have an attitude of superiority. Okay, whenever the Holy Spirit begins to show us that, here's what we've got to do now. We have to apply and obey and adjust our actions to what he has just led us to do or to be mindful of or else it does no good to be aware of our struggles and to be prompted in relation to our struggles but not do anything with it. 
See, the person shows up and you're about to get irritated and the flesh says, oh, get irritated. Wait, oh, 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 okay. No, I will not let you determine my attitude towards you. Something happens in the home and you're about to blow a gasket. You're mad, you're upset. And the Holy Spirit says, now hold on, is it really worth that kind of a response? Okay, you cannot use that as an excuse to say, yes, it's worthy of this kind of of a response. No, that's when you say, oh, okay, Lord. I'm going to breathe. I'm not going to respond in anger like I want to. If we're reminded of it and we're prompted of it by the Holy Spirit that we're about to fail and we go ahead and fail, then, friends, we've blown it in this relation or in this uh, uh, aspect of charity. Okay, you're at the table with a bunch of people and you're about to start bragging. Hey, listen, they don't care to hear all these stories again. Hey, you just need to stop talking. That's when you need to just stop talking. See, if we don't apply what the Holy Spirit reveals in our lives and convicts us on, then we're not loving the way we're supposed to. And that really does mean, whether we like to admit it or not, it means Everything that we're engaged in is a waste of time. Because if we don't love, if that's not what we're pursuing, if that's not what we're following after, if that's not what we're seeking to implement into our lives, then we're just going through the motions, we're just going through the ritual, and we're not accomplishing anything profitable for us or anyone else. So tonight... I'm just going to lay it all out here for us one more time to just be reminded of. God already knows. He knows our failures. He knows our struggles. He knows our desires. He knows our our wants. He, He knows everything about us, and he knows to what extent we are pursuing charity. Now, friends, if we're not doing it, we are wasting time. Can we listen to this, please? If we're not pursuing it, his standard of love, not ours, if we're not pursuing his standard of love, it's a waste. It doesn't matter what you think, what I think, or anyone else thinks, it's a waste. And whether or not we pursue and follow after charity is not as much a problem with our flesh as it is more times than not, we just don't have the want to. And we let everything in the world keep us from loving the way that we ought. So think about it. Let's all stand and have a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. I pray that you would help us. Lord, you know better than anyone how much I need this message this need to follow after charity, to just be honest before you about my faults and my failures, my shortcomings, my sins, whatever we want to call it tonight. God, we struggle to be honest because we don't like to be that honest before you. But God, you already know, so I pray that you'd help us this evening to stop making excuses, to stop letting the obstacles that this world puts before us to be that reason that we don't do what we're supposed to, God, I pray that tonight you would help us to begin following after charity. 
the way that we ought. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.